Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Let's stand up. We're a little short-handed in the band today. Sinuses and sickness have kind of hit, so I'll be playing organ today and leading from here. So can y'all see and hear us okay? All right, so let's sing together. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The Oh 
Good morning. Good morning. Do you realize that some of you could have been, all of us, could have gone this morning to the fabulous First Baptist Church? And all of us could have gone to the wonderful Woodstock Church. But we chose to come to exciting Eastwood. Amen. Amen. I tell you what, it's good to have you here this morning. If you're visiting with us for the first time and you were given a connect card, it's a big red thing, uh, we ask that you would fill that out and put it in the offering plate when it comes by later or just leave it in the pew, whichever you choose. And that way we'll know that you've been here and have an opportunity to follow up and to visit with you uh, later. We're glad you've chosen to be here. This is the best place in town to be this morning. Amen or oh me? Amen. We have with us today our new interim pastor, Dr. Ken Ellison. He'll come and when it comes time to preach and share with us. Right now I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask you to greet one another. Tell them, tell the person you greet how excited you are that they chose to be at exciting Eastwood. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and we pray that this day would be the best day that we've spent in a long time. Not only because we're with people that are exciting and because we're at a congregation that's exciting, but because you are the source of all that excitement, Father. You are the source of all that we do, all that we praise, all that we worship. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand and greet one another.
church. You may be seated as we continue to worship. So glad to have Miss Abby McMahon going to share a special with us this morning. soul 
This fireman is not a flesh and blood And the weapons that I need are in your love Lord, don't you ever let me go What a voice, Abby. Thank you so much for sharing that this morning. She's been working so hard on that. We thank you for sharing that. It takes a lot of confidence to get up here on the platform and sing that in front of you guys. And thank you guys for being so encouraging to her as well as our other young folks. Uh, the song this morning we chose for the choir uh, is a throwback song. The first time I ever came to Eastwood back in the mid-late 90s, I was a, uh, a student at uh, Kennesaw State University, and I came for a revival meeting, and the choir sang this song. And I remembered it. I was glad that it was in the archive. And it's a song entitled, When He Comes Down. And it kind of talks about the second coming and when Jesus comes back. And how we weren't here the first time that he came, but we will see him when he comes down. And uh, there's some scripture that came to my heart this morning that I wanted to share with you guys from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses um, 15 through 18. And this kind of coincides. The Lord just kind of dropped this as we were practicing the band and Uh, figuring out this morning and practicing praying together this scripture came to my heart and I wanted to share this with you for this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep for the Lord himself will descend with a shout from heaven with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort ye one another with these words. Vast Fred and the media team to put these lyrics up. If you know this song, I want you to hum along, sing along, and we're going to enjoy this time together as we celebrate the Lord's coming for us.
Ushers, if you'd come at this time, we'll take our offering. We heard a beautiful offering of praise just a while ago, did we not? A lot of ways you can give back to the Lord. One of the ways we have opportunity to give back is with our finances. I hope and pray that we do it not only because we're supposed to, but do it joyfully as well. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity of giving back to you. Father, we can never outgive you. But Father, receive what we do give. In Jesus' name, amen. together. that it is well with your soul. If not, this is a good place to make it well before this service is over today. You're in a good place to, uh, to welcome each one of you to Eastwood. It's already been done, but it gives me great pleasure and great honor this morning to introduce to you 
as our interim pastor, Dr. Kenneth Ellison. He's, Ellison, he's very familiar to most of us. Some of you might not be familiar with, but he's a great man of God, a friend, a brother in Christ, and it's my honor this morning to present him to you as our interim pastor. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Well, good morning. What a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord today and uh, to see so many of you. Thank you for coming. I am uh, delighted to see so many friends that I've known through the years and uh, to make new friends. And that is a joy to me personally. My wife uh, of 61 years is with me this morning. And I'd like to introduce you to Mary. Mary, would you stand up, darling, please? Thank you. I spoke to Brother Lee's wife a moment ago. She's been quite ill, and she's back today. And uh, there's just something in my heart about preachers' wives. They have to put up with an awful lot, and you can say Amen. <clears throat> But it's been a, a wonderful life, and in these days that we have together, I'd like to share with you out of uh, our experience of uh, knowing the Lord and walking with the Lord and serving Him. This is my 66th sixth year in the ministry. I began preaching when I was 18, so you can figure out the math pretty quickly, can't you? Someone said, well, you know, aren't you retired? Well, you know, I'd love that word, but I flunked retirement. I, uh, I have a hard time just sitting around rocking. Uh, my mind, my heart is still active. There's still a burden on my soul, which the Lord placed there many years ago. The prophet uh, Jeremiah said it was like a fire in my, in my stomach. I just, uh, I just love the Lord and I love his church and I love God's people. I learned to love you many years ago and I come back to say, in Jesus' name, I love you. And I trust that our relationship will be one of warmth, of brotherness and sisterhood. It will be one that will bless you personally and your family and your neighbors. Dear friends, this is a wonderful day to know the Lord and to worship Him and to be a part of His church. Someone asked uh, the other day, well, what are you going to say to those people over there? And I thought a great deal about that. What would, Lord, what do you want to say to them in this service today? And the Holy Spirit just several times turned my mind to this passage in the book of Ephesians. And if you would open your Bibles with me today, please bring your Bibles. I am an expository preacher, basically. That is, I usually take one section and we talk about that. I, uh, I, I like to do it that way. That's how I learned to do it. That's how it served me well in our years on the mission field. 
and as I've served the interims uh, since retirement. And so I'm going to speak an expository message this morning from the book of Ephesians. And our thoughts are going to center around this very beautiful word of praise and doxology that rises out of the heart of the Apostle Paul, chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, and let's look at verse 20 and 21, and we're going to have prayer this morning. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundant beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, in every generation, forever and ever. Ephesus. Ephesus is in the country we call now Turkey. And near the city of Ephesus this week, a 6.5 earthquake literally devastated so much of the area. Turkey basically is a Muslim country with a strong Muslim government. But God still has his witness. God has his remnant there. And so I'm going to ask you, if you will right now, bow your heads with me as we pray for modern Turkey, modern Ephesus, that out of this shaking of the earth, the eyes of their hearts might be open to see the great Creator who has sent His Son Jesus to be our Savior. Would you pray with me? Just bow your heads right now. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we bow our heads and our hearts right now before you, the creator of all that is seen and unseen, the heavens and the earth. And you look down upon us this morning in this congregation, but you see us, our Father, as a part of a larger group, because in many places throughout this city and county and state and nation and world, there are those who are coming together to worship you. And so we join that great throng of believers in bowing our heads and our hearts before you. And oh dear God, we pray in this service this morning that your Holy Spirit will open our eyes and our hearts to see Jesus, open our ears to hear his word, Touch our hearts that we might be moved, O oh God, by the power that you are working in every one who is present here today. From that smallest child now in the children's service to the eldest adult sitting here. Both men and women, young and old. Those who have ears to hear and those whose ears are shut. O oh God that we might see you today and 
commit ourselves to seek your glory in this world today. And oh God, we don't know how, we don't know why, but we do pray for Turkey this morning and for the church at Ephesus. It's still there. And there are saints who love you. They're out working and ministering today in your name in that hard-hit country with the earthquake. Oh God, may this cause hearts and minds to cry out to you. And in crying out to you, oh God, hear their prayers and answer today. And send them the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ who died to save them and us. Thank you now for this time together, and we open now your word. Speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. The book of Ephesians is really a great book. We usually quote Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, and not of works, lest any man or person should boast. But the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has a distinct purpose in writing the book of Ephesians. He wants this congregation then and today, them and us, to turn our eyes towards the central theme. Chapters 1 through 3, he is like he's climbing a mountain. And when he reaches the top of the mountain, he can but shout to him, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus in every generation, in my generation. There are generations that are past. There are generations yet unborn. We are living now in the time God has given you and me. And the question of the hour, that which the Spirit of God lays heavily upon our hearts, what kind of people will we be in the church of Jesus Christ in this generation? I believe that God would have us this morning to turn our eyes and hearts to this wonderful phrase, to Him be glory in the church. Church has its distractors. We are very much aware that many have grown cold and calloused. And some are indifferent, even condemning the church. But I want to tell you, dear friends, Paul says the great mystery which God has revealed in our time is this, that God is working through his people. He calls them the household of God. He calls us the body of Christ. He calls us the church. I'm very much aware that many groups meeting together are erasing that word church from the title or the name of their church. They don't want to be known as a church, perhaps a gathering. That's an all right word. Assembly, I like that too. There are many words that can be used. It simply means 
the gathering together of believers, those who know Christ, those who worship him, those who come together with one heart to offer worship and praise, holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God. And Paul is saying to the church, in your generation, and I say to each of us in our generation. God is working very diligently. Someone asked, what is God doing in the world today? God is doing much, but I want to tell you very quickly. The primary thing God is doing is he is revealing his glory. And he's revealing his glory in such a way that is astounding. It's through you and you and me. We are poor reflections of his glory. And many of us are living low lives. But if the church could hear any message today, we have a glory. And that glory is to worship him, to gather together. Some have forsaken the the assembling of themselves together. Some have chosen the lesser way of simply watching television with no commitment, no giving, no involvement, no interest in missions, although they're begging for your money. God says it's time you get together. Come together in this fellowship of sinners who have been saved by the grace of God. And so Paul is calling us today, come now, Come to him and to him be glory in the church in our generation. How can we give glory to God in the Eastwood Baptist Church in this time together? Some say, well, you know, it's, it's a temporary time. You, you know you're here just temporarily. Well, brother, I want to tell you, you are too. Some of us more temporary than others, very frankly. But oh, my dear brother and friends, what an opportunity. What a privilege is life. Get up every morning and lift your hands to God and say, Thank you, God, you resurrected me out of the death of sleep. And I'm standing this morning by your grace. And to see the face of my wife, to see the face of my my children, And my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. Oh, dear friends, that's a wonderful... Don't you just thank the Lord? Say amen. 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 You know, we're not as pretty as we used to be. My wife looks in the mirror and wonders who that gentleman is walking around in her house, this old man, you know. I recently had a series of encounters with a dermatologist. And uh, the other week when I was here preaching, someone said, gosh, you look like, you look bad in the face. I said, I, that's okay, that's all right. I've been to the dermatologist. It's going to look better. It may not look a whole lot better, but it does look a little bit better. We don't look as young as we used to. We don't step as young as we used to. But, oh, dear friends, the heart, the true heart doesn't grow old. 
It's been renewed. It's been redeemed. It's been claimed. It's been given a new glory. And that glory is that he might have the glory in my life as I involve it in the church. Many of you know that my wife and I are members over at Eastside. We had the privilege of being the first pastor there back in the 60s when Roswell Street started Eastside. Some of you remember that little small, small green building that we first built out there. My children used to say, Daddy, that was an awful looking church. Turkey, turkey vomit green is what they called it. But it changed. It's quite beautiful now. But God has been working through the years there. And he's working here. Why? That he might have glory in the church. Come now, my friends. Lift up your vision. Look into his face. Catch a glimpse of what God is doing. Paul said, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think. God is at work. God is at work bringing glory to himself. That's what we're about. Regardless of what our mission statement is, we're here to bring glory to God. Someone asked, what do you do? My mission in life is to help you join in a chorus of praise and worship to the God of creation, the God of our redemption, the God of our only hope, the God who is coming again. For this is the glory that he gives us. How shall we glorify God at Eastwood in these next few months together? However long it will be, only the Lord knows. But the Lord's doing something. He's moving. You have a pulpit committee. They're praying. You're praying. God is moving towards the calling of a pastor for this church. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. And so let us together join in giving him the praise and the glory for who we are. He has redeemed us. He's changed us. He's brought us together. And he's trying to bring others here too. I do trust that you will reach out to some of those who have backed off. Usually, when a pastor leaves, 15 to 20% of the congregation will back off. That's what they call it. Backing off. Dear friends, you don't need to back off. You need to move forward. Amen. And it's all right to say to them, God is at work. We want you to come now. Let us worship together. One of the great ministries of the pastor is that the sheep might be gathered to protect the sheep. Dear friends, when you separate yourself from the fellowship, when you grow cold and sit back, and I'm going to wait and see what's going to happen. It is strange how the devil works in that situation. He steals your heart. He'll steal your first love. 
It happened. They've lost their first love. Oh, dear friends, God deliver us from losing our first love. Our first love is the God who created us and who has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. And so how can, how may we, how should we, what does God want with this church in these months? He wants you to get the first thing first. Back to the basics. We're here as a fellowship to worship the Lord. And I pray that these empty benches will be filled. Not only those will come back, but also that others will come. You can invite them to come. Give us a chance to minister to them, to reach out to them, to know them. I, I used to pride myself in being able to remember names, and I still do remember some. But I tell you, it's important. Every person is important because Christ died for them. There's a second way that we can give God the glory in the church in our generation. And the Apostle Paul alludes to it in chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, I beg you, he said, I beg you, I beg you. The word entreat is a strong word. I urge you, I entreat you, I beg you, he said, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. What does that mean? Well, we're called to know the Lord and to walk with Him. And our individual walk is so different. We're different. And it's okay. I was reading again some excerpts from Pilgrim's Progress, that old, that old standard by that great St. John Bunyan in the prison in Bedford, England, as he wrote about how we were strugglers and pilgrims on the highway of life. We've lost some of those words. But dear friends, it's still true. Life is not easy. Pain is real. And suffering has been a part of the bread of your life and ours. But oh dear friends, in the midst of this struggle, you're not alone. For there is one who is living within you. That's what Paul said by the power of Him who is in you. God does give you the grace to keep on keeping on. And God does give you the grace to keep on being faithful. Others may fail, but dear friends, you are responsible to God for your life as a believer in Christ, and He will judge us. For we all shall appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Oh, not to find out whether or not we're going to heaven or to hell. Christ settled that for us. Glory to Him. Thank you, Jesus. You know that you're saved. But oh God, what have you done for the Lord lately? Well, I used to be faithful. I used to teach Sunday school class. I used to help out with the youth. I used to teach the children. I used to tithe. 
Is it just a used to religion? I find so many people and it scares me. Well, you know, when I was little, I walked forward and I, I said I believed in Jesus. But they hadn't been to church since then. They haven't been serving the Lord. They've lived like the devil. Oh, dear friends, listen. Christ calls us to a worthy walk. Now, what that means is, doesn't mean, I, well, you know, I don't, I'm not as good as that person or I'm not as good as she is or I'm not as good as they are. That's not what God is saying. He says, you walk worthy of the calling that Christ has given in your heart, in your heart and mine. We are responsible. You are responsible before God. You're responsible for this church. You're a part of this body. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, oh, and we're all part of that body. Now, not all of us are eyes and not all of us are hands. Some of us are ears and some of us are toes. But this I know. When I have an ingrown toenail, I know it, and so do you. Some parts of our body are hurting, and let us love them. Let us minister to them. Let us be patient. That's what Paul is saying here. In this worthy walk, let us walk humbly with each other. Now, I do appreciate being called doctor. I for many years taught in our Baptist seminary in Indonesia, and I've been called doctor and professor enough in the fellowship. I'm Brother Ken. May I? Would you allow me that intimacy? Please, it's, it's, it, that's, that's where we are. You see, God has called us to be honest with yourself. And the honesty he calls for is, let us walk worthy. Let us walk in a humble manner. I have had the wonderful privilege to continue my study through the years. And the more I've learned, God has impressed this upon me. The, the more I've learned, the more ignorant I realize I really am. That is, that God in his wonderful, marvelous grace has revealed himself to us and that we have and we drink of his fullness. But oh, dear friends, there's so much more. There's so, and don't quit learning. Don't quit reading your Bible. Don't quit praying. Don't quit sharing. Let us walk humbly. Let us walk gently. Gently. My dear mother, up in the mountains of southwest Virginia. We was poor as Job's turkey. Whatever that meant. <clears throat> but she always, she had just two boys. Daddy died when I was five and she remarried. And we were not a cultured family. We, <clears throat> in Virginia, you know, they, they got the culture, you know. They got the culture. Like here in Georgia, folks say they got the culture. We didn't have no culture. We just had a hard time. 
my mama said this, I'm going to raise my boys to be gentlemen. And she didn't say Christian gentlemen. She said, I want you to learn how to relate to people and relate to them well. Not so much that you know who the ups are and who the downs are, but you know who that person is, eyeball to eyeball. And I have appreciated that through the years. That's what Paul is saying here. Not many wise, not many great, not many rich, but God has chosen often the simpler those who've had a struggle in life, those who have lived with pain, those whose hearts have been torn by divorce in the family and alcohol in the family and drugs. But in the midst of that, God has worked in your life and He's brought you to where you are now. And we're not what we're going to be, but praise God, we ain't who we used to be. Come on now. Come on now. He said, let us walk worthy. He says in the church, he's talking about, you, get your, you clean up your act now. In humility, in gentleness, in patience. Oh, it's, it's easy to run a church like a CEO. It's hard to be a Baptist. It's hard to believe in congregationalism. What does that mean? That's the priesthood of the believer. And that is that every believer has, who is born again, God gives or affirms with the Holy Spirit of God in their hearts. And that person has value. And God speaks even through the voice of children. The voice of a great song. It is well with my soul. I sat here this morning and Tearing wanted to get up here and preach about the day God talked to my heart. One of my best friends I played baseball with was killed in an accident one Sunday morning. Him and some other boys, after Sunday school, Daddy had bought a new car. Daddy had given him the keys. He was going to drive home. Mom and Daddy went to church, and the boys skipped out of church and went and got in the car, went out on the highway. Three of them were killed. High school friend. I went to the. I didn't want to go to that funeral, but I had to. I sat there in the balcony of the old First Baptist Church in Venton, Virginia, outside of Roanoke, and they sang that song, Eric. It is well with my soul. And there's one thing I knew before God: my soul wasn't well with the Lord. And I think God spoke to my heart, Eric, through that song as much as anything I've ever heard. God does speak to your heart through the songs. God speaks to you. Listen to the music. Sing the music. Join in the music. Participate. And when we pray, bow your heads and pray for your family. Humbly. As gentle people, men and women, patient, long-suffering, forbearing one another. Oh, my soul. My wife says, do you hear me? 
Well, I didn't, I wasn't paying attention very frankly. I, my mind was somewhere else. I was thinking about something else. But I've learned that I need to pay attention in the home, in the church. God, help me to pay attention to you as well. Pay attention to one another. Be forbearing. Listen to what they've got to say. Some people come on Sunday morning with an organ recital. Each of their organs is this, you know. Got this problem and that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Be patient with one another. Forgiving one another. Considering one another. That's how God gets the glory in the church. You know what happens? Those hungry, lonely, desperate people out here would love. In fact, they want to be here. They just don't know where you are. We need to tell them what's here. Who's here? This is a loving, humble, gracious, forgiving fellowship. Walking worthy, walking worthy. And very quickly, I, I love this so much, and I want you to look at it too. How can we give God the glory? By making the first thing first. We are here to worship the Lord. We're not here to look at anybody's clothes, and whether the preacher's tie is on straight or not, whether he's even wearing one or not. That's not what's important. What's important is the attitude of your heart. Come now, my brethren. Come now, my sisters. Come now, family of God. Let us worship the Lord. And let us not only worship the Lord, but walk inside the church and outside the church. And then he says, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. Now look under that word, be diligent. He says you've got to try hard. It just isn't easy to stay together. The most natural thing, especially in our society, with our emphasis on individualism, our emphasis on subjectivism, our emphasis on me and my way and my thoughts, it's so easy for us to be separated. That's what the devil wants to do. If he can separate you from the body, then that member very quickly begins to die. But I want to say to you, God wants us to be together. Be diligent, be diligent. Be diligent, oh my soul. Someone asked, why in the world do you still go to Sunday school? It's because I'm still learning about Jesus. You need to be in Sunday school. Our men's class ought to be the largest class in the church, and the women's class ought to be in quick and honest competition with them. Come, let us grow together. Come, let us learn together. And lastly, Come, let us, let us remember that there is one body, one spirit, one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, over all of us, and in all of us.
Paul rises to a crescendo here. He rises to the apex, and this central part is simply a doxology. In fact, this is probably one of the earliest recordings, the earliest writings about a song, a hymn sang in the early church. They talked about their unity. They sung this. There is one body, one spirit, one hope, one uh, of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over us all and through us all. This uh, really wrote itself upon my heart a couple of years ago when I had the privilege of going to Romania. We've been there several times working with the Romanian Baptists. And uh, I had the unusual privilege, and I'm thankful for it, to be asked to preach in the First Baptist Church in Bucharest, the capital. And when I got there that night, uh, uh, there was a committee that met me at the door, and uh, they wouldn't let me come in. They said, no, we want you to stand out front here just a moment. So we stood out front of the church and looked up. And there was something written there in uh, Romanian, uh, and I, I looked at it, and I thought I could make it out. And they said, can you read that? And I said, yes. Un, un dom, un credinto, e un batis. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. They said, yes. Isn't it beautiful? They had written it right there on the front of that church. During the communist days, they came and they brought black paint. And they made the deacons go out there on a Sunday morning in front of the whole city and take the black paint and paint the front of that church. And that's the way it was during the communist days. But then God gave them relief. And the government changed. And they got permission from the city government to repaint their building. And they asked, if, could, could they paint again what was there in the beginning? The government said, yes, whatever that is. And so they went out. And on the front of that beautiful church, they had written, one faith, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That was a faith of the Protestant Reformation. It was a witness in the midst of a great misunderstanding about Christianity. Oh, dear friends, I want to say to you, <clears throat> that's the heart of our Baptist faith. We have one Lord, God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, We have one faith, and that's the faith in Him, not in idols or images, not in other mediators, but only one mediator, for He is the mediator of the new covenant, our Lord Jesus Christ. The only mediator, the only one standing between man and God is our Lord Jesus Christ. It isn't Mary. It isn't the angels. It's our Lord Jesus. And so we confess one Lord, one faith.
One baptism. One baptism? I thought there were many baptisms. Well, the Bible says there's only one. Look at it. Underline it in your Bible. What does God say? God says that baptism is when you and I humbly bow before God and say, Oh God, I'm a sinner and I confess my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ is the only Savior. I throw myself upon your mercy. And Jesus said something happens. The Spirit of God immerses, baptizes, under, doesn't sprinkle a little bit, doesn't pour a little, he puts you under the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the baptism. And anything else is confessional baptism. The one baptism is when God immerses you in his grace and mercy in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. One baptism. One baptism. Oh yes, he gives us the Holy Spirit. Yes, he does it again and again and again, refreshing, adding, and blessing. I want to say to you, dear friends, how shall we give God, how shall we give him the glory in this generation? By putting first things first. We come to worship him. And we come to worship him as a humble, sincere body of Christ. Baptized believers serving the Lord. Living and walking according to his divine word. Confessing our faith and witnessing to our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren to a lost world about us. Oh, dear friends, let's be quickly, let's quickly be about our master's business. During this time of year, we've just celebrated Christmas. We're moving towards uh, the crucifixion of Christ. And when I was here about a few years ago, I preached a series of sermons on the, the first seven words of Jesus. A lady said not long ago at another church, I remember one of those sermons. She didn't tell me which one she remembered. But the first saying of Jesus recorded in the New Testament is this. I must be about my father's business. Maybe that's the first saying we need to say together today. Let us be about our Father's business. Let us be about our Father's business. Come on. Let us be about our Father's business. One more time now. Let us be about our Father's business. If you're here today, you need to do business with God. You can do it right here. If you'd like to come and kneel at the altar during our invitation. If you'd like to speak with Brother Lee or myself. We'll be here. We'll be glad to talk with you privately. If you'd like to say, 
Brother Ken, I want somebody to come to my house and just sit down and let's talk some things. I want you to know that we're available. If you'll call us, if you'll let us know. I can't read your heart. I'm not a mind reader. But if you'll tell us, we'll be there. Now, I want to thank you this morning for your patience. I preach a little longer than usual. Usually when I preach in Indonesian, I preach about two hours. But saya tidak bicara bahasa Indonesia hari ini. Lalu saya akan menutupi dengan segera. I just said a couple of words in Indonesian to you. I'm not preaching in Indonesian. I'm preaching in English. So it's time now to do business with God. We're going to stand and sing the verse. Maybe one or two verses of a hymn. I'm going to stand here at the front. And Brother Lee is going to stand with me today. And we invite you to come right now. Would you do that? On the very first verse of this hymn, let us stand, let us sing together. is calling Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling Oh, come to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of jesus Behind all your regrets and mistakes, come today. There's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. Ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Christ is risen.
sing together. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Just a moment, we will have the benediction. Brother Lee has a couple of announcements. You want to come and stand here, Lee? It's all right. Wherever, please. And you close with prayer, please. Thank you. In your bulletin, there are quite a few things happening this week, and you want to be aware of those. Today at 1 o'clock, go have some lunch, come back, vacation Bible school interest meeting. Church conference this Wednesday. Johnny Hunt's men's conference this weekend. Clifton Ridge Saturday, is that right? This coming Saturday. Men's prayer breakfast. We have an announcement about it. Come share with that. I just want to remind everyone, all the men, uh, not this Saturday, but Saturday week, the 8th of February, we'll be having our first men's breakfast of the year. There's sign-up sheet out in the foyer, and there's one back at the uh, visitor's desk. Please sign up so that Brother Rick will know how much food to get for us to eat. So we'll talk more about this next week, but don't forget to sign up. Stand with me and let's pray. Father God, we thank you for what we've heard this morning. Father, we thank you not only from the lips of Brother Ken, but from the heart of you. Father, we know that there's a day ahead of us that may be unusual, it may be difficult, we don't know. But Father, we do know that it's a day that you have preordained that you have plans for this church, you have plans for us individually. Help us, Father, to live up to those plans. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.